the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. It's already blotted out. Now come to me. Come to me. Have a relationship with me. Again, it's not the other way around. It's not when you come to me and I see how committed you are, then I'll blot out your sins. I've already removed your sins. I've already blotted them out. They're already out of the way. Now you can just come to me. And you can have a relationship with me. And I can have a relationship with you. I've already dealt with the sin issue. I've already removed that for you. So you can just come. Are you trying to get yourself cleaned up before you come to the Lord for salvation? Today you learn from Pastor Dan's message that God has already blotted out all of your sins. So don't wait to come to the Lord. There's nothing you can do to make yourself clean and in better condition before the Lord. He has dealt with your sin issue by sending His Son Jesus to the cross. Pastor Dan encourages you that today is the day for your salvation. Simply receive the forgiveness of God for your sins and Christ into your heart. Come to Him today. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 44 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. If you remember, the pillar of fire, which was the presence of God, passed through the center of those animals. But then Abraham doesn't pass through the center of the animals. So God committed himself to the covenant, but Abraham didn't pass through. Abraham didn't sign the contract. But God committed himself to it, and he keeps his covenant with us. He keeps his promises to us. You know, we're blood-bought children. He's He's already bought us with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He's already paid the highest possible price to redeem us. So he's not going to forget about us. He's not going to turn his back on us. He's not going to forsake us now. He's got too much invested in us. Just to, just to purchase us, just to get the relationship, he's already got too much invested in us to just forget about us now. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to turn his back on us. He's never going to forsake us. And we might forsake him. We might turn our back on him. But he's not going to do it to us. Verse 22 says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions. And like a cloud, your sins return to me, for I have redeemed you. And notice verse 22 is in the past tense. The Lord says, I have blotted out your transgressions 
and your sins. It's already happened. God doesn't say here, when you return to me and you show that you're faithful to me and we've got a 90 day trial period, then I'll blot out your transgressions. Then I'll blot out your sins. No, what he says here is I've already blotted out your sins. I've already blotted out your transgressions. I've already forgiven you. So return to me. You see the difference? And it's just like us. Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins on the cross. All of our sins have been paid for. All of our sins have been blotted out by the blood of Jesus. All of it's forgiven. The work of salvation is a finished work. Just as Jesus cried out, it is finished. The sin is already removed. And then he invites us to come to him and have a relationship with him. But he says, you know, in the gospel message, I've already paid for all of your sins. It's already finished. It's already done. It's already blotted out. Now come to me. Come to me. Have a relationship with me. Again, it's not the other way around. It's not when you come to me and I see how committed you are, then I'll blot out your sins. It's not, I've already removed your sins. I've already blotted them out. They're already out of the way. Now you can just come to me and you can have a relationship with me and I can have a relationship with you. I've already dealt with the sin issue. I've already removed that for you so you can just come. And here we see the the Lord saying the same thing to Israel. I've blotted out your transgressions. I've blotted out your sins. Now just return to me. Now he's saying this to them while they're still sinning, while they're still worshiping other gods. What does it say in the New Testament about us, right? That while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us, right? When we we were weak and helpless, Still dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ died for us. It says in Romans, Christ died for the ungodly. See, it's the same, same thing, same message to us. While we were in our sins, Christ called us. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he called us to return to him. Look at verse 23. So sing, O heavens, look what it says here. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Has done what? He has redeemed Israel. He's blotted out their sins and their transgressions. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Speaking of the terrestrial earth that we're on. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Israel. Jacob and glorified himself and Israel. When it comes to our salvation, the Lord has done it, right? The Lord has done it. We didn't do it. He forgave us of our sins and he called us and he reconciled us to God. He's done it for us. He's done all of it for us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 1, and, and God made us alive, right? There's, when you're dead, there's nothing you can do when you're dead. And we were dead. And he made us alive in Revelation chapter five. I'll just read it to you. But Revelation chapter five, verse nine, this is the saints in heaven. They sang a new song. We've always got new songs to sing in the Lord. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain 
And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. You're worthy, Lord, to open the seals because you were slain. You redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people and nation. It's all, it's all you. It's all you. It's all what you've done. For us, it's not what we've done. We haven't done anything. It's all what you've done for us. You've done it all. And here we see in verse 23, the, the only logical response to what God has done for us is to just sing, to praise him, to worship him for what he's done. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts to the earth. Break it forth into singing, you mountains, O forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. When we come to church, we open the service, the time together with singing. And why are we singing? Because he's redeemed us. He saved us because of what he's done for us on that cross. That's why we're singing. We're not singing about ourselves. We're singing about him and what he's done. We're worshiping him. That's 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 the only response we can have is to praise him for all that he's done for us. Thus says the Lord, verse 24, your redeemer and he who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. The Lord says to Israel, I'm your redeemer. I've redeemed you. I'm your creator, he says. He formed you. He formed you from the womb, he says. And that's true for every one of us here, every person. He formed you in your mother's womb. He's the creator of all things. Again, remember, they're, they're worshiping other gods now. And what credentials do those other gods have? They didn't create anything. They didn't create these people, you know. They didn't create the world, the universe. They didn't redeem them. They didn't save them. There's nothing that the other gods can say or or claim that would compare to what the Lord God has done for them. There's nothing. There's nothing that compares to the Lord and what he's done for us. There's no one who's done for you and me what the Lord's done for us. And again, part of what he's saying here is, Why would you ever go after any other God? There's no other God that's done for you what the Lord has done for you. Why would you go? Why would you forsake the Lord? It's almost like, you know, in fact, later in the in the Old Testament, Israel is is described as an unfaithful wife who commits adultery against her husband. And it's kind of like this picture where. Israel has like the best husband anybody could ever want. Just this wonderful guy. And you and I would look on and say, why in the world would you ever forsake that guy and give him up and go after some other guy when you've got that guy for a husband? But that's what Israel does. They commit adultery. They're unfaithful to the Lord. And they've got this wonderful husband, the best husband ever. And they're fools to jeopardize that relationship and to turn their back on the husband they've got. They're never going to find anyone who compares to him. 
Look what it says in verse 25. Who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad. Who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness. This is speaking of the false gods and their their false prophets that they had. That's what's the reference here to the babblers and the diviners and their wise men. All of these false gods had these things that were supposedly giving you know, prophecies from their gods. And here we see that the Lord, Jehovah, he makes fools out of all of them. None of their predictions come true. He hinders them and confuses them and makes them mad. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now, let's finish today's message. Verse 26, Who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, You shall be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah... You shall be built. I will raise up her waste places. Verse 26 says that the Lord Jehovah upholds his own word. His word doesn't fail. His promises always come to pass. And he says to Jerusalem, you will be inhabited. And he says to the cities of Judah, you shall be rebuilt. He's speaking prophetically here. It's he's talking. It's a prophecy about future about the future. Now, I want you to think back with me for a moment to an earlier study. The world's superpower at this point is Assyria. Remember that? Assyria is the big superpower, the only superpower in the world. And remember, the Assyrian army marched into Judah and destroyed every city in in Judah except for the city of Jerusalem. They leveled all the cities of Judah. There's over 40 cities that they completely wiped out down to the ground. And the Lord, Jehovah, who upholds his word, whose word never fails, says the cities of Judah will be built. Now, at this point, the cities of Judah are a pile of rocks. But the Lord says here, the cities of Judah will be rebuilt and Jerusalem will be inhabited. And the Israelites reading this, living in Israel, they might think, I don't know if that's going to happen. That seems pretty impossible to me. The cities are ruinous heaps. I don't see how they could ever be rebuilt. I don't see how God could ever do this. So knowing that, the Lord says, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. The Lord says, hey, remember I dried up the Red Sea? Remember I dried up the Jordan River? Remember that? How I've already done the impossible in the past in your history And I can do the impossible again and I'll rebuild your cities and Jerusalem will be inhabited again. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. All things are possible 
for him. He can do this. Now look at verse 28. And we're going to finish with verse 28. But verse 28 is maybe the most important verse in the whole chapter. Verse 28. And verse 28 is, um, it's a remarkable verse here because it has one of the most remarkable prophecies in the Bible. And sometimes you read it and you don't think much of it and you just keep on going. But it really is one of the most remarkable prophecies in the whole Bible. Imagine if back in the 1840s, someone predicted that a man named Donald Trump would be president of the United States today. That would be amazing, right? Unbelievable that somebody could name him by name 200 years ago. And it turns out to be true and that there's a guy named Donald Trump as president today. Well, we'll here, God predicts by name the pagan king who will deliver Israel from Babylon. And this is about 200 years before Cyrus is even born. And he gives him by name. He gives the king's name. Verse 28, who says of Cyrus... So it gives the name. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty exact prophecy when you're giving the name. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Again, this is about 150 to 200 years, maybe before Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, before he's even born, 200 years before he lives, God declares his name here in the Bible and says that he will use Cyrus as a shepherd to round up the lost sheep of Israel and to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this prophecy is even more remarkable when you consider a few facts. First of all, Assyria, that I just mentioned a minute ago, is the superpower at this point in the world. Babylon was a vassal state in the Assyrian Empire. Babylon's not even an empire at this point. So Babylon, you know, it doesn't even, people don't even see it as a potential threat to Assyria. The Medo-Persian Empire, which Cyrus is the Persian king of the Medo-Persian Empire. The Medo-Persians at this point, when Isaiah is writing this, they're a nomadic people in the Assyrian Empire. So they don't even have like a, a definite land yet. Not only that, Jerusalem and the temple were both standing when this was penned. So Jerusalem hasn't been destroyed yet. The temple hasn't been destroyed yet. So, you know, over 200 years after this prophecy was written by Isaiah, so over the next 200 years, Assyria's power is going to decline. Babylon's power is going to rise. Babylon is going to become a threat to Assyria. They're going to conquer the Assyrian Empire then Babylon's going to have its glory days. And then Babylon will come in and conquer Judah. Babylon will take the Jews into captivity in Babylon as slaves. Babylon will destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. 
And then the Medo-Persian Empire will rise up under King Cyrus. And the Medo-Persians will defeat the Babylonians. And the Medo-Persians under Cyrus will allow the Jews to return to their homeland and rebuild their temple. So there's a whole lot geopolitically that's got to happen before Cyrus even comes on the scene. You've got to have the the fall of the Assyrian Empire, the rise of the Babylonian Empire, the fall of the Babylonian Empire, and the rise of the Persian Empire. Oh, and by the way, there's got to be a, a young husband and wife in Persia that has a baby, and they choose to name that baby Cyrus. And Cyrus has to become king of this empire that doesn't even exist when he's born, that he's going to create and lead and defeat the Babylonians. And he's going to send the Jews back to their homeland, allow them to rebuild Jerusalem and their temple. There's a whole lot of pieces to the puzzle that have to fall in place for this prophecy to be fulfilled. But here, 200 years before the Lord God named Cyrus by name, And says he's going to be the shepherd that gathers the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he's going to be the one that allows Jerusalem to be rebuilt and the temple to be rebuilt. Now turn with me over to Ezra quickly. Ezra to the left. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. It says now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia. That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet might be fulfilled The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord, that's Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And so Cyrus, the king, knows about this prophecy in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. And he says here in his decree that Jehovah, you know, the God of heaven, he commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now, Josephus, the historian, in his writings, he says that when Cyrus was made aware of his name being mentioned in Isaiah, that he was seized by a holy desire to fulfill what was written of him in the book of Isaiah. And so he gave this decree. And if you notice, he gives the decree in his first year as king of Persia. The very first year, it's one of his first acts. Pretty amazing prophecy that proves that the Bible is not the word of men. It's the word of God. And it's, that's the thing, isn't it, that the Lord has said, this is how a God will prove himself. It's by declaring the future before it happens, by prophecy. And you see here with this prophecy that our Lord doesn't give like these general kind of cloudy prophecies that, well, maybe this is what it's talking about, or maybe this is what it's talking about. It could be this, could be that, or maybe, and you have to kind of twist it and turn it to try to make it. He names them by name. 200 plus years before he's even born. Very, very specific. How can that be? Because the Bible is the Word of God. He asked me how I know, and I said, 
We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.